Today's message, entitled, God Wants to Kill You. (laughs) Now, I need you to pay attention. Now, I'm talking, you know, not physically, of course. You know, people watching by TV. I knew there was a cult. Now they're going to kill everybody. No, no. We're not a cult. We're not killing people. All right? This is talking. God wants to kill the selfish part of you. All right? This is an important thing. Now, you need to pay attention because some of the stuff I'm going to say is kind of strong and it's not designed to freak you out. Pay attention so you're hearing what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying. You know, it's easy to be misunderstood or or things that come off not as as you intended. For example, yesterday there was a wedding in the church. Uh, uh, Nikki and uh, Dan... Who? Dave, Dave. I love you, Dave. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> got married. Anyway, after the wedding, you know, one of the bridesmaids was standing there holding, you know, her, her pretty little flower arrangement, you know, up, up to her bosom, just smiling. And Pastor Ross walks up and points at him and goes, hey, are those things real? And I went, <coughs> Ross, don't point at ladies' bosoms and ask if those things are real, okay? But he, he meant the flowers. All right, so it's easy to be misunderstood sometimes. So listen to what I'm saying and not making stuff up. All right? All right, quit thinking about bosoms for a minute. Think about what I'm talking about and pay attention so I'm not misunderstood. It is amazing how often the scriptures speak of our need to die to our selfish nature. And I'm going to look at some of those scriptures right now. In Matthew, we read where Jesus says this to his disciples. If anyone wants to come after me, he has to deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now that sounds like a a real religious thing because we we picture crosses in terms of, you know, nice jewelry. And a lot of you ladies this morning have pretty crosses and stuff. There's one right there. You know, and everybody's wearing these pretty crosses. You have to understand, when he said this, that was pretty freaky. The cross was an execution instrument. That would be like you wearing a hangman's noose around your neck or a gas chamber or an electric chair or something. This was designed to kill people. When Jesus said, you need to take up your cross, he wasn't talking about some little cute little religious thing. He's talking about dying and dying specifically to self. He goes on to say, uh, for whoever wants to save his life, you can try and hang on to what you want. You're going to hang on to what you think. You're going to hang on to what's all about you. You will lose your life. But whoever will lose his life for me will find it. He says in Luke, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. The Apostle John said this. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We love that part. That rocks. Cool. Great. It's all about me. You know, Jesus did this for me. But the second half of the verse says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Not quite as popular. Verse. Gospel of John, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. He says this over and over again. It's interesting how many times Jesus starts out with a phrase with, listen to me. I'm not lying. I'm not just making this stuff up. This is the truth. And he says this, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. What is he saying? Life, real life comes through death. Death to self. The people who hang on to what they want, they want, they want, that. these are the ones who are always the loneliest people in the world. Why? They are a single seed. They refuse to die to what they want. 
to who they are. Believers, I'm talking about. By the way, all what I'm talking about this morning is I'm talking about Christians. Not non-Christians. Non-Christians, you know, what they do is, you know, yeesh. My, my, my message is more to people of faith who think so selfishly, but they don't get that without dying to self, you can't truly be a successful Christian. This is Christianity 101. God wants to kill you. The selfish part of you. The sinful part of you. That stubborn part of you that doesn't want to do what God wants to do. That has to die or you'll never get this. And you can come to church for 20 years and you'll never get this if you don't get past that. First step. You need to surrender on the inside. He goes on. He says, the man who loves his life will lose it. Over and over again, Jesus taught. The Bible's replete with this stuff. While a man who hates his life in this world, let's talk about this life, will keep it for eternal life. Paul writes this in Galatians. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Again, death, death, death. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I'm dead, man. I'm I'm crucified with Jesus. You know, one of the things that's so hard about this, a lot of people say, you know, why, why is it so hard to get rid of your selfish nature? Because to do it, you've got to die. You've got to allow that nature to be crucified. And it hurts. It's painful. It hurts so much, most people run from it. Many Christians run from it. They won't do it. They won't do it. They won't do it. They start climbing on the cross, but the minute they start bringing out the nails, they jump off again. I'm out of here. I don't want that. You stick me. In Romans, he says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? My answer to that is no. Most people don't know that. They don't. There's no connection. And, and, and we got so many wonderful churches there. They're wonderful, great churches. And they, but you know, so many of us, all they talk about is what God wants to do for you. God loves you. And does he? Yes, yes, yes. But shocker, this ain't about you. This is about surrendering to him. In fact, you can never get to those places of God blessing you if you don't die to your selfish nature. He says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. That's what happens in in, in baptism. When they they put you into the water, you're buried like with Christ and you come out in newness of life. This is all identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's what happens in baptism. Romans says, if, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was, what? Crucified. There it is again. Again, this sounds like a crucifixion. All this sounds so religious. I'm telling you, when they were writing and talking about this stuff, this was like, wow, listen to what these guys are saying. This is death. Crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. He says this because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. That's the analogy. If you're dead, you don't sin a lot. <laughs> dead people are very patient people. You can make them wait for the longest time before you talk to them. You poke them with sticks. You can yell at them. Because they just come. They don't get upset about anything. Why? They're dead. The, re- the analogy is that our sinful nature, that selfish part of us that keeps rising up. Rah! I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do. I'm not going to let that guy push me around. 
You have got to let that thing die. And even though my message says God wants to kill you just to kind of freak you out, the reality is the only way this has happened is if you willingly do it. He's not going to go out and kill you. Not even the selfish part of you. You have got to be, you've got to make a choice as a believer in Christ. I surrender. I choose to be crucified with Christ. I choose to identify with the sinful part of me, that selfish part of me. I'm going to let it die. And it's hard. It is amazing how many believers struggle with this stuff. I don't know why you come to church. (laughs) I don't think that boy knows what he's doing. (laughs) Or am I? Romans 6, 8. Now if we died with Christ, we we believe we will also live with him. Look, to be a true Christian, you have to die to your selfish, sinful nature. It's hard because it hurts to be crucified. It hurts to die. It's uncomfortable. It can be painful. But we need to completely surrender our will to the will of God. I truly believe it is the only way you'll ever really experience the saving grace of God in your life. Is through complete surrender. I never cease to be amazed by the multitude of people who claim to be Christians, yet blatantly disobey the Bible. Think nothing of it. Their sense of right and wrong does not come from measuring themselves from God's instructions. But they decide what's right or wrong based on what they think. It's amazing how often you can take the Bible and show someone, look, the Bible says, I'm not talking believers, I'm not talking about going to a bunch of sinners and people who don't know Jesus and never go to church and hit them over there with the Bible. That's not our place. You're supposed to be love and kind to them. But people of faith, if we're going to grow in our faith, you go to them and say, you know what you're doing. The Bible says don't do that. And, and they go, well, yeah, but, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So they, they make all this stuff up. What the Bible says is irrelevant to them. These pages, they're just paper to them. It's, it's a notch above toilet paper to them. People who claim to be Christians, I'm talking about. Not evil, evil, wicked people. I'm talking Christians who go to church. What God says, what the Bible says is, is what, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You get in the scriptures and they say, yeah, but, 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 but. They get it in their mind, but, but, but. In their mind, but, but, but. I call them buttheads. <laughs> they ignore the Bible. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. They just, but, 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 but. And let me, let me say this about, about sin and selfishness and all this stuff. I am not shocked when people make mistakes. I am not shocked when people fall into sin. I, quite frankly, I expect it. It doesn't blow my mind. I don't come unglued. You know how many thousands of people right now this morning around America will not go to church today because they, I used to go to church but then that one preacher turned out to be a hypocrite. Good night. If you're basing your religion on what some nitwit did, you are a bigger nitwit than they are. Man, if everybody I respect turns out to be a phony and if you all go crazy tomorrow and quit coming to church... I don't care, I'm going, I'm going forward with Jesus. Probably have to sell the building and start over again, but I'm, you know, man. 
Well, I, you know, I was serving Jesus, then Jimmy swaggered, fell, and said, no, I don't go to church anymore. Good night. Well, I used to go to church, and that pastor, he was just a big, bad, stinking jerk, so I don't go to church anymore. Man, you do not let your faith be dependent on anybody else, including me. If I go psycho crazy tomorrow, man, you ought to be here next Sunday. Go, that's too bad he went crazy. <laughs> Who's next? Who's in the batter's box? Come on, let's go. Good night. I'm not shocked or freaked out when people make mistakes. Man, the Bible says where there is no ox, the stall is clean. (laughs) Oxes have a way of uncleaning places. It's the analogy of the church. You get a bunch of people together, you got ox poo flying around. So what? Truth is, if you don't have poo, there's something wrong with your ox. <laughs> and I'm just telling you the way it is. Don't freak out because people make mistakes and stuff. This is not about condemning people who struggle. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. Because I know some of you guys struggle with some of the things I'm about to talk about. I get it. I understand. We don't hate people. What this is really about is Christians who totally ignore the scriptures, do whatever they want, feel no shame, and completely justify it by, by what they think in their head. But, 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 but. Completely nullifying the word of God, just tossing it aside. I, I gotta tell you something. Think this through. The next time a cop pulls you over for going 55 in a 25 mile an hour speed zone, I want you to look at him and say, listen, I, I just don't think there's anything wrong with that. See how that works for you. (laughs) He doesn't care what's in your head. Neither does God. Here's some examples. The Bible says do not lie. I know Christians who lie like drunken monkeys. Try that lie about that. Lie at work. Lie at this. Cover their butt about this. Lie at Make up this. You're not supposed to do that. Well, that's no big deal. Yeah, you're not supposed to do it. It's a big deal. Stop it. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, let that work for you. Here's a hot one. The Bible teaches we're not supposed to be involved sexually before marriage. I know boatloads of Christians. There's probably millions of them, I dare say easily, who respond to that with, yeah, but, uh, you know, we don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, they look right at me. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I know, but we don't think there's anything wrong with it. Who cares what you think? Honestly, do you really think that highly about your own thoughts? If you do, we just need to slap you. Well, I don't think there's anything. Who cares what you think? We don't set our standards based on what's in your brain. The Bible teaches people not to commit adultery. Does it happen? Yeah. Do we hate people that happen? No. We love people. We encourage them. We restore them. We don't justify it. I know Christians fall into adultery with each other in the church. Not in this church. Boy, I find that out. I will slap you. They respond, well, we we didn't mean for it to happen. It just kind of happened. You know, Pastor, we couldn't help it. We fell in love. You don't fall in love. You fall in a toilet, but you don't fall in love. (laughs) 
you to do the right thing. Well, we don't think it's wrong. I don't care what you think. And neither does God. You need to die to what you think. Honestly. Oh! I wish I could tell you all the stories. I don't have time. That you could open up and say, this says that. And they're like, well, I, I don't know I don't what I think. Christians. The Bible says a man should be there, provide for, support, connect with his wife and his children. Thousands of men abandon their families, you know. Pastor, I just just need to find myself. I just need to find myself. I'll introduce you to yourself. (laughs) Here's a hot one. The Bible says a woman should not divorce her husband. Have some of you done it? I know, you have. Men the other way. But the Bible is just as clear as a bell. You shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it. Are we going to hate you if you didn't? No. But you shouldn't do it. And you can tell them. You look at them and say, you shouldn't do it. And you'll know, think, well, yeah, but, but, but that, uh, it, you know, uh, I'm not happy. I'm not, well, God, look, oh, wait a minute. They're not happy. Change the rules. You think that's what God does? I'm hitting all the hot topics this morning. Bible says believers should give. They should give financially. You, you teach that <laughs> and 90% of professing Christians in America will stare at you like deer in headlights. <laughs> the national average of born again evangelical churches, 9% tithe. In this church it's about 15%. About 15% of you carry this place. Does that mean we hate everybody else that does it? No, we don't hate anybody else. But I want, but I want, but I, yeah, 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 but it's not about you. You need to learn to die. And you know, if you're not there and it takes you a while, you know, you know, it's not like the ushers at the door saying, you know, are you in the uh, tithing or non-tithing section? be a small section is the sad thing <laughs> we don't know we're not ide- you know we don't get on people about that you hardly ever hear me talk about it I don't talk about money all the time but goodness gracious this is Bible 101 stuff why do we struggle with the most basic concepts in Christianity because it's about me what I want when I want it I know the Bible says, but that's not what I think Pastor, you're saying if I do all that stuff, I'm going to go to hell? No, that's not what I'm saying. You know, it's one thing to acknowledge Jesus as the Lord of your life and fall short. You know, the Bible even says a righteous man falls seven times. Really? I thought a righteous man never fell. Righteous man never fell. That's where you're blowing it. A righteous man falls seven times, but he keeps getting up. That's what makes him a righteous man. Not that he messes up. We all mess up. I know it's hard to even perceive, but sometimes I mess up. <laughs> That's one thing, but to just ignore Jesus Christ as Lord as some optional deal is quite another. I know people who've been serving Jesus for a long time, and you challenge them on some issues. They say, well, you know, I just haven't grown that far in my faith. I just haven't made Jesus Lord in my life yet, but I'm growing. Growing? There ain't no growing. Do or not do. You just do it or you don't do it. There's no in-between stuff here. 
In fact, one of the keys to really overcoming sin in your life is just at least admit. You know, I'd be thrilled if people say, you know, Pastor, you're right. It's wrong. I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm good with that. I'll take that. Why? Because once you acknowledge this, it'll start pulling you up. The reason is not pulling people because they discard, regardless, whatever they're doing, it doesn't matter what God says. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. They make this stuff up. It's the choir. I'm not making them mad. People say, people getting up. Oh, he's ticking these people off. It's really bad in the first service. They'll peel out of here. Second service, most of them sit back there. Backsliders. (laughs) Edit all that out. Okay, anyway. What am I talking about? Why is this important? Because you cannot begin to experience the true blessings of God in your life until you die to selfishness. You quit, un, quit rationalizing unbiblical behavior and make Jesus Christ of the Lord of your life. You need to die. It, you can't get anywhere. You'll never get anywhere if you don't do this. You say, does God want us to be happy? Yes. Well, pastor, how do I get happy? Great. Step number one, we kill you. I want to be a financial success. Will God bless my business so I can be a financial success? Absolutely. I believe I believe God wants to take some of you guys and make you incredibly successful entrepreneurs and make money like drunken monkeys. Not so you can just consume it on yourselves, but so that you can give into the kingdom of God. I truly believe that. You say, how do I get there? I'll tell you. Step number one, we kill you. Not really. Again, if you're tuning in late. <laughs> We're not really killing people here. Talking about dying to selfishness. Does God want me to be happy? Does God want me to have a great, happy marriage? Yeah, without a doubt. Pastor, how do I get there? You need to die. I had a lady who sent me an email. She'd, she'd been to one of my seminars. And uh, she says, I went home and I sat down and I made a list of all my expectations of my marriage. And she said, I, I just fill out the page. and page, She said, I fill out pages of my expectations, which blows my mind. Man, if you've got pages that you'd fill out of expectations in marriage, you're going to be one miserable person. My list is, you know, a little postcard will do. (laughs) Wife like me. (laughs) Wife not kill me. (laughs) You know, I mean, what what in the world? Page after page after page. No wonder she's so miserable. She says, I finished that and I folded it up and I got a shoebox and I stuffed them in a shoebox and I went and I grabbed my husband's hand and we went out in the garage, grabbed a shovel, we went in the backyard and we buried it and had a funeral service. We buried everything I wanted. People say, but Pastor, I want this, I want this. That's where you're blowing it. They buried, she buried everything she wanted. She writes me in this email. She says, ever since then, I have been the happiest I have ever been in my life. It is the key to true joy. Jesus wasn't being mean. He knew if you don't get this, this doesn't work. Check out the scripture, Matthew the 7th chapter. Jesus says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. This scripture freaks me out. It really does. I mean, of all the, you know, those parts of the Bible, you just love the parts you don't understand. And those parts that freak out, this one freaks me out. Listen to what he's saying. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will get into heaven. How is that possible? 
He says, but only he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Only the ones who get this. Only the ones who will die. Only the ones who will surrender. If you are calling all the shots in your life and Jesus is a side thought. Check this out. He says, many will say to me on that day. How many? Many. Many. Many people. This freaks me out. Many people will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? What does that mean? Predicting in the future? No. When the Bible says prophesy, it talks about speaking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, speaking the words of God to people. I've been prophesying to you for the last 25 minutes. He says, we prophesied in your name. We, we drove out demons in your name. People were set free from satanic oppression because of what we did. We performed many miracles in your name. These are the guys not getting into heaven. Perform many miracles. I'm not, you know, these people aren't even saved. How do they pull off miracles? They don't, just the real supernatural miracles or just doing really great things? I don't know. Miracles, miracles. I, I barely can take out the garbage every week. These guys are doing miracles for crying out loud. Jesus says, I will tell them plainly. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Evildoers? Evildoers? Prophesying, delivering, miracles. Evildoers. What makes them evil? Because even though they were doing great things for God and for the church, never surrendered this. It's always about them. It's always about me. What I think, what I think, I don't agree. I had a lady watching us on television who emailed me, was upset about something that I said. You said such and such was wrong, but I don't think it is. I emailed her back. I said, do you really judge what you think is right or wrong just by what you think? She says, yeah. I said, well, that's where we differ. This is what is right or wrong in my worldview. Well, I don't think so. Lots of luck with that. See how that works for you. Whew. All right. Musicians can come up, all hiding in the back there. Ushers can come forward and get ready to serve communion. As they're, as they're getting ready to do this, let, let me read this to you. This is in, in John, uh, the Gospel of John. Jesus is speaking to the people. You have to remember that Jesus had multitudes of people following him. The Bible said multitudes. He was extremely popular. He was the rock star of the day. He could sell out all the theaters, man. Jesus was coming to town. Multitudes flocked about him. Because of the miracles he turned, you know, feed the multitude with just a few bread and, and fish. All the stuff he could do, wow, wow. But remember, up to that point, it was because what we can get. He'll feed us. He'll heal us. He'll do all this cool stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. You leave it there, multitudes will come. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But Jesus knew that it was fluff. It didn't mean anything. And he finally turns to the crowd and he says this to them. He says, I tell you the truth. Remember this truth thing. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. That sounds like a cannibal. But in Eastern culture, they knew what he was saying. We think of it in communion, but what he was saying is, 
you have to completely identify with me. If you do not completely identify with me, surrender completely to me, this will not work for you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, he says. I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. What I'm about, all of me, what I'm about, this is where life comes from. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. And on hearing it, Many of his disciples, these multitudes, these big crowds, turned around and said, Holy cow. That's a hard thing to say. Who could accept that? Total identification? Who can handle that? Now he's gone too far. And the Bible says this. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They bailed like rats off a sinking ship man it was all cool till we got to that you want total surrender I'm out of here did Jesus freak out no he turned to his disciples and said hey you guys out of here too he didn't beg them to stay he didn't try oh please I, you know, I know everybody else left and I knew I was a little hard and I, I didn't mean to offend everybody you leave and he didn't do that he just sort of said you guys out of here too Peter said where are we going to go you're the only one who has the words of eternal life that's what what you got to think where else are you going to go sure it costs sure it's painful but it's only through surrender to him that life comes it's when that seed dies that life comes I feel so bad for so many people who've, who've known Jesus for so many but they've never gotten to this point I don't know how you missed this. This is Christianity 101. You've got to get this. I remember at 16 years of age, this hit me. I'd just gotten saved. Up to this point, I was a rock and roll, pop smoking, pill popping hippie. I was a mess. I asked Jesus into my life. I got rid of all that stuff. But the one thing I kept was the band. You know, I liked the band. I was all about music, rocking out. And I don't know, it wasn't like I heard audible words or anything, but I knew God spoke to my heart get rid of that stuff it was the most painful thing I'd ever done in my life I remember calling up all my friends that were in the band saying uh, you know we're breaking up the band come get your stuff they all came over they're cursing at me yelling at me you're an idiot you're a moron we're going to be famous someday you're going to be a nothing everything got torn out of the room and after everyone had left there was just my guitar and a little amplifier and I remember I just cried I just cried because I loved that stuff. I loved that stuff. It was my life. I spent all my time doing that. When everybody else was having fun and going swimming, I was practicing. I just loved that band. And as I'm crying, even though I was crying and hurting, I knew it was the right thing. And I said, Jesus, I love you. And I don't care if I never touch this stuff again. I'm making you number one in my life. I died to that day. And life flooded me. Fascinating that a year and a half later, I am traveling all over the United States and Europe with some of the best musicians I'd ever known. Recording in some of the biggest recording studios in the world. Sweden, Nashville. 
And all those guys who quit the band and cussed me out, they, they were still in Nielsville. Doing nothing. It's life comes through surrender. Life comes through this death that I'm talking about. When you let go, that's when God can really start blessing you. And it'll be one of the hardest things you'll ever... If you haven't done this yet, it'll be the hardest thing you ever do. But you have got to do this. Or you run the risk of being in that category where he'll say, I know you said, Lord, Lord, and did all these good things, but I don't know who you are. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning. Before we take communion, have you surrendered to Jesus? You know, there's this great song out there. Jesus, take the wheel. You all heard this song? It's a great song. A lot of people, you know, Jesus can't take the wheel in your life, man. You're just hanging so tight onto the wheel. Or if you want him to take the wheel, you can't because you got him stuffed away in the back of the bus. Some of you have got him gagged and bound in the trunk of your car. You like Jesus around, but just only so doesn't say anything or do anything to bother you. He'll never take the wheel in your life that way. You have got to let go. If you're here this morning, I want us to pray this prayer together. And, and this, this can work both ways. If you've never, ever truly took that first step of faith towards God in your life. You pray this prayer, you can take that first step this morning. And if you have a believer, I don't care if you've been a believer for 20 years and you have never gotten to this point where, God, I'm going to do the right thing. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care how much it hurts. I don't care who it associates me with or separates me from. I'm doing the right thing. If you've never done that, when we pray this prayer, you need to surrender this morning. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much. You went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. And right now, I surrender my life to you.